This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. I want to point out how many times Luther um, gets on to pastors in this. He, he repeatedly comes back to this point that um, pastors are responsible for preaching in such a way that produces the right kind of faith and the right sort of understanding of works. Um, so the last paragraph in 308 says, the ignorance and suppression of liberty uh, this ignorance and suppression of liberty very many blind pastors take pains to encourage. They stir up and urge on their people in these practices by praising such works, puffing them up with their indulgences and never teaching faith. If, however, you wish to pray, fast, or establish a foundation in the church, I advise you to be careful not to do it in order to obtain some benefit, whether temporal or eternal, for you would do injury to your faith, which alone offers you all things. Your one care as a pastor, should be that faith may grow, whether it is trained by works or sufferings. Make your gifts freely and for no consideration so that others may profit by them and fare well because of you and your goodness. It's, it's, um, it's just noteworthy to me there how he keeps drawing in the pastors um, f for this work because... He's often going to say, um, you know, these people have a, a poor understanding of faith, and that's why they think their works contribute to these things. Who am I going to blame for this? I'm going to blame their pastor. Um, well, what do you think he means when he says your faith should grow, if, whether it's trained by works? Hmm. What does that mean? Progressive sanctification? <laughs> I don't know what what's, what what do you, what do you think he means by there? Is it the works that are purging the flesh and that are teaching you to trust in Christ more and more, or do you think he's getting onto something else there? I don't know. I it's surprise. There's just so many things that Luther will say that surprise you, you know, and just the concept of faith growing. A surprising concept to me hmm. um, and then that it would grow by your works hmm. but maybe yeah maybe you're right like your works continue to bring you to despair which allows your your faith in Christ to grow hmm. being stronger yeah <laughs> I yeah, that is that is a yeah. <laughs> I <don't know> that. <laughs> what's it you I don't know, the term, you're saying that by your works means like a growing awareness of how terrible your works are? Right. Uh, I don't know about You don't know about Yeah, I don't think he's, I don't think he's saying that. What do you think so, he's... That he's... That he's saying like that, you know, your works, good works towards your neighbor. Hmm. That's what will grow your faith? I think that's what he's saying. Hmm. And, and if you go back to how we just looked at that passage where he defines... What are the only two kinds of good works? I mean, it's specifically those kind of works which depend on the forgiveness you've received in Christ and those sorts of works which 
flow out of forgiveness towards the neighbor. Um, so we always have to remember that you know statements like this are coming after yeah. things that he's already said. They're grounded in the theology yeah. of yeah. what faith is and what good, true good works are. Yeah, and that you already are a good tree. You've already been made a builder, those sorts of things. Then you just go to, to work doing it. But it seems to be in opposition of the, you know, disputation that said the law of God accomplishes nothing mm. of what it sets forth. Yeah, I'm wondering, I, I'm starting to wonder, okay, so I, I, I in the church world, um, okay, well, I don't know how to formulate the idea or the concept, but um, Luther seems to be commending a certain type of good work. Whether he's actually saying you should do this, he's saying this is what it is. And this is how I get there, because good fruit. So, you're, I mean, how do you... Mm, I don't know how to formulate my question. There's the law, there's the gospel. What does... If a, if a bad tree is going to hear that the, the commendation for good works differently than a good tree is going to hear the commendation for good works, how do I rightly divide law and gospel under that concept? Is it right? I think you're. I think so. I think you're. That's, that's what I was getting at at lunch the other day. Yeah. Where I don't think we should just leave it up to the hearers to kind of like decide what we mean by it, you know, as if we just like say the words and then, you know, because I think we need to tell them what to believe about this, you know, and by these words, you should be condemned. You should feel, you know, you know, so that's kind of what I would say about that. I think that clears the, the air of, you know, them grasping at that and going, yeah, I need that bar. Okay. How do you do it? How do I divide between law and gospel and preaching? Well, okay, so one of my primary assumptions is whatever I preach or teach or whatever, I'm always assuming there are people here who are not Christians. Either they know they're not Christians or they think they are and they are not. Hmm. Um, I'm just always operating under that assumption, whether that's true or not. Can I interrupt that? Is there a third category that for the people that are Christians, there's a part of them which is not Christian? Everybody? That part of unbelief in the human heart. Yeah. Yeah, of, but but okay, but but if I that's just a really hard question. I wasn't trying to hear. Is that part of your sort of operation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, I, there's always parts of unbelief in all of us, right? Yeah. But under operating under Luther's definition of the person who's been regenerated, they're a good tree now, and they can have active righteousness towards others. That's where that and that analogy breaks down a little bit, though. Insofar as you are an old. A, a, a good tree that has the, the the old tree still stuck to you, you know. Of course, I, I, I'm there too. So that's that's where ultimately where my question boils down to is: um, a good tree is going to hear law differently than a bad tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's potential for that to be the case, but the the old man in everyone, I think, is always going to grasp on to the law. Um, in similar ways, whether it's um, hearing the condemnation or it's trying to find the way to um, find it, 
find a way to be righteous through through hearing the law like yeah and if that's true then the whole uh, part here on good works feels like this exercise yeah mm. that's how I feel too when you're reading this I'm just like I feel like in light of Luther's you know law gospel and this is like this is I don't know like the, the, the like the good tree only exists in heaven <laughs> he doesn't exist down here on earth like we're only the bad tree and this whole good tree talk seems to just invite you know the law back as a means because he says this he's like it's for you know the ought basically you ought to use the law to um, mortify the flesh of the bad tree and then lead it in good works towards neighbor which would be the civic civic thing you know civic application of the law We just need to hurry up and get to the antinomian disputations. I think this, this, because this will, this will bring that. I think it'll bring those questions. Is it, is it the bad tree that's doing the good works towards the neighbor? No, it's the good tree. That's doing yeah, the see, like that's 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 kind of my problem. Is I'm thinking, no, it's it's the bad tree because it's the it's the bad tree doing the good works towards the neighbor, um, as like a because it's obeying the scrupulously obeying the law mm -hmm. but you know we have to be like simultaneously understanding and being aware that the good tree is in heaven my life's here with Christ and so therefore I can be a slave to the law down here in suppressing my flesh and serving my neighbor because in heaven my identity is secured Yeah, I think that introduces difficulties because if, if it is that dichotomized, um, you wouldn't be doing those works. Like you just wouldn't be open to um, to being slavish to the law or being um, open to good works for the neighbors if it is just that part of you um, hmm. that's bound. Yeah, you have that capability, right? Yeah. You're right. Um, so while, I mean, the thing is, while our uh, our identities are eschatologically construed, I mean, Luther still believes that this is in your person. Like, you have to you have to hold those two ideas together. Which maybe we can get some more clarity on that um, in in a couple of days. Last thing. Oh, okay. yeah. Did you guys talk about putting on your neighbor? Yeah, I think that's what I was just about to read. Yeah, go go ahead though. Well, I, just, I think it's rad stuff. Mm. Um, just never thought of that. You put on your neighbor and... You, and page number. Page number 309. Mm -hmm. He first mentioned it in that first paragraph, but I really like, we conclude therefore in the next paragraph that a Christian lives not in himself, but in Christ and his neighbor. Otherwise, he's not a Christian. He lives in Christ through faith and in his neighbor through love. Like union with neighbor, <laughs> mystical communion of saints, but it's also like communion with everybody. Mm -hmm. It's like union, becoming one with nature. I don't know. This is beautiful. <laughs> Whoa! Wait, what did you just do? What? <laughs> Greet each other with a holy kiss. Yeah, because your neighbor is—it's—it's it's not the ones you just choose. Your neighbor yeah. is mm -hmm. anyone who needs your works. But no, that's an under-talked about concept. We talk a lot about being in Christ, but being in neighbor, that's, mm -hmm. that's really powerful, derivative biblical metaphor. Mm.
I like it. Do you think there's a way that we could talk about that more clearly in preaching and teaching where Good question. Uh, it flows out of the gospel? Well, I think third use always flows out of the gospel. <laughs> Honestly, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I don't think you offer. I don't think you offer it unless gospel has been emotional climax, and you don't major on third use. Yeah. And only and ever, in my understanding of it, should flow from gospel. Hmm. But that's the whole concept: is anything that flows from gospel, as far as presented love of neighbor, has to be grounded in the gospel. That's the only way I think the third use could be the third use hmm. to have to potentially. Creating a context where there is no felt accusation. So you're suggesting preaching law, gospel law? Yeah. I mean, on an occasional basis, yeah. That's basically like how every sermon I hear is. So. And how does it feel to you, Sean? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> And usually the gospel is like this two-minute thing, and it's usually like a reminder, like, no, 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 I'm not saying you're, you're justified by this. You're justified by your faith in Christ. But All right, now we're moving on. It's just like, okay, cool, thanks for that little reminder there, but I would <laughs> love to have heard a massive explication of that, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's always been my argument, is that while the Protestant church differs from Roman Catholicism in regard to justification, in regard to sanctification, they're almost identical. Oh, I don't think so. Say that again. I don't think we're talking about a problem with theology. I think we're talking I think we're talking about a hermeneutic of presentation. Yeah, I agree. But you said I think saying in Reformed Church and sanctification look identical, is that what you say? Well not necessarily the Reformed Church. I just Protestant and Protestant. I think yes, sanctification is a work of God's free grace. I think justification is an act of God's free grace. How do we communicate it, I think, is what we debate about. Right, yeah. I. It just seems the law, gospel law, is is real prevalent. I know that that was... It's just a... Mm. Uh, I guess a rubric that I want to move away from, but I don't know. Well, so much preaching today is grounded in the question of so what. Um, yeah. We get we get these truths, but so what? How does it? How does this help me? Apply. So, yeah. What's the application? Um, like my my. Uh, yeah. This even comes out in like my grandma goes to a church where um, the guy's not a preacher; he's a teacher. Right. Yeah. He teaches us how yeah. you know the Bible tells us how to live. Yeah. Um, that so what if it's going to be there in any form, you know, maybe flowing out of the gospel. It has to flow out of the gospel rather than being the the cart leading the horse. But I mean personally I I only, I always just stop with the gospel. because um, that, that's that's my sense of it is just that you've preached the law, hopefully um, people have been revealed to the sin and the bondage in their lives, um, and the only thing I want to do after that in the sermon is set them free, and, and, and through the Holy Spirit that they would be alive for the rest of the week. Uh, it's not that I don't think there is room for that teaching, but I guess I would just always do that somewhere else, mm -hmm. um, even if it were like adult education right. or something. 
But that, that's just my yeah. personal approach to it. Um, but there's always that, you, know, I, you do kind of always want to keep going after you've just declared that promise so you can say, so now you turn back and see how this affects things. Um, that's kind of there, Yeah, and there are good reasons for doing that, and people often want to hear that. Right. Um, it's, it's hard because hearers are so different. And because the old Adam's ears are very ticklish. So you can hear the gospel in one instance. And then starts to hear the outflow of the gospel, but really forget the gospel that empowers him. And therefore start to go, I can, I can, I can. Yeah. And not everybody has that experience. But because of the wild nature of the word and the mystery of the hearer, um, it's, it makes the pulpit a unique place where you have to be very, very, to be the most careful about rightly distinguishing law and gospel overtly, even though we know it's something that the Holy Spirit ultimately does in the hearer. Yeah. <sighs> uh, maybe this would be a good just place to bookmark, and uh, what would be cool when we get to antinomian disputations is just to talk about the spiritual and the law. Because Luther spent a lot of time on that, and I, I think that would be good for, yeah. for just stopping here, maybe. I'm just, the spirit's role in the, the law. The spirit's role yeah. in the law. You, yeah. I mean, Luther spent a lot of pages on that. That's, I've, I think I've got like four categories of things I hope we talk about in the Antinomian Disputation, and that's one of them. Yeah. So, we'll play. The, because the, the Antinomians keep saying, the spirit's only working the gospel, and they say, no, 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 the spirit's working the law, too. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll come back to that because that's a it's a key point. But the, the, the yeah, we'll we'll come back to that. Um, are there any questions or final thoughts um, about any of this? Any sort of nag, nagging questions or we've definitely brought up some worries about Luther this afternoon. Good, coming up. Yeah. All right. I had the last few minutes. It's went from works and kind of bouncing in and out of sanctification and consumption of sanctified life as the, the tree that produces fruit. Um, just throw it out there. You know, fairies, sort of overworked perhaps, but still a very compelling idea of sanctification is getting used to your justification. It'd be fun to let the group talk about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's brilliant. I don't have any problem. I, I think it's inherent in Westminster. Really Is that right? Because he did it in common. I'm surprised. Because that was in a little book, Five Views on Sanctification. We had a conversation with Sinclair Ferguson. And absolutely, those two are the only ones worth reading in that book. But their conversation back and forth is very interesting. And of course, respectfully, Ferguson didn't agree. Yeah, the getting used to part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, sanctification is a lot more nuanced and all that. And it's not simply getting used to your, because that's just second use. That's you know, sin, repent, go back. You know, sanctification is just getting used to your justification. And he would want to draw out a lot longer form. Ferguson took a lot more pages than Ferry. Um, it's, it's good, good little chapters. He could be frustratingly terse. I just kind of throw these great little bombs out there to make you think. 
Sanctification is a word we've got three ways. Three ways whereby we are uh, deadened to sin and enlightened to righteousness. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you kind of memorized it. Yeah, that's the shorter version. That's like a summary. All right, well, we'll, we'll come back to that yeah, for yeah. sure. These courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one-week or semester-length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.